Well, good morning, friends. This is Wednesday morning, September 29th. I'm actually taping this on Wednesday morning, September 1st, so I'm a little ahead. Uh, podcast number 384. Let's turn to Colossians. I've actually tried to do this now. This is my second time trying to record this. The first time, right in the middle of recording, the phone rang and everything got uh, all messed up. And so we're trying to finish in uh, Colossians chapter 1 today. So let's go to our are two verses. Verse 19 uh, in Colossians 1 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in verse 9 of chapter 2, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. There are other scriptures we could bring to light um, on this particular subject, but let's try to uh, uh, memorize those two. And hopefully you'll have those memorized by the time we're done. We're finishing up verses 24 uh, through 29. Uh, verse 24, remember we started talking about the sufferings that Paul was um, going through, and the, he said that he rejoiced, which is the opposite of what I do. But um, he says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Underline for the sake of his body, which is the church, because that is the key to the words before. What is he? Uh, uh, what is he filling up? He's filling up the sufferings now within the church. Jesus' sufferings are complete; they're done. He has done his work, and Paul is not saying that I am making up for what Christ lacks. He says, "No, I'm suffering now for the church. I'm suffering for teaching uh, this message that Christ has given me." Verse twenty-five, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. It was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is in Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What is Paul saying? I am doing what I'm doing because of the stewardship of Jesus Christ. Paul's responsibility uh, was to was to take what Jesus started, this church, and he was to take it and and to strengthen it. And he was to be an example of Christ to them. As Paul suffers in his body, Christ suffered. In his body, he is uh, not saying that his suffering is the same. What he is saying is that suffering is an essential part of the church. Uh, growth is painful, and it it is it, it is difficult. Um, so he's suffering afflictions. He's suffering not as Christ suffered, because uh, Christ suffered a sacrificial death for sin. Paul is suffering afflictions because of what Christ has done and because of what Christ has called him to do, which is to open up the gospel to the Gentiles. You remember in John chapter 1 and verse 11, Jesus says he came into his, or John says, Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. So what did that do? It opened up the door for the Gentiles. And in Romans chapter t uh, 11, it says that there's a partial hardening that has happened in verse 25 in the Rome, in the Jews. And therefore, the Gentiles have this opportunity, and not until the final Gentile is saved, I believe, 
will Christ return, not until that final Gentile has been saved. Now, Paul could have made life easy for himself, but his responsibility, as we looked in verses 25 through 27, he said, Wiersbe says this, had Paul compromised with the Jews and stopped ministering to the Gentiles, he could have been spared a great deal of suffering, but he would he could not abandon his calling just for personal safety and comfort. He had been made a minister by God and had he been given a stewardship and he had to be found faithful. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You got to Romans, you got too far, like I just did. Chapter 4, verse 2 in 1 Corinthians says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful. Faithful to the calling that God has given him. No matter, um, it was not a matter of choice. He was he was called and to fulfill the word of God. It, and it really means I must preach. I must fulfill this this calling that God has called and and the calling came with great pain because Paul, who was um, incredibly brilliant when it came to the law, trained in the law, uh, uh, surpassing all the other students and all of those that were there, Paul understood more than anyone what it would mean to say that this gospel is now available not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Look at... Ephesians 3, we're going to read kind of a lengthy portion here, but it's a beautiful portion of scripture. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given, (coughs) excuse me, that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I am suffering, and I do not want you to lose heart that I'm suffering. Not that you're suffering, but don't lose heart because of my suffering, because what I'm doing is exactly what God has called me to do. See, he could have circumvented the painfulness of this, but he would have had to be unfaithful to um, the, the, the call that God had given him. The mystery of the sacred hidden in the past is now revealed through the Holy Spirit. And what is that mystery that is revealed? Not some new gospel. 
What's revealed is the intent that was from the beginning that God would bring the two together, the Gentiles and the Jews together to create one body. God called the nation of Israel to be his people. He gave them his law, including the priesthood and sacrifices. He gave them a wonderful land. He promised them a king who would one day establish a glorious kingdom and fulfill the many promises made to Abraham and David. The Old Testament prophets wrote about a Messiah who would suffer and a Messiah who would reign. They could not explain the seeming contradiction of a, of a, of a Messiah that would suffer and also would reign. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, right after Hebrews, James, and we have 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. Chapter 1. Verse 9 says, Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It, has, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look into. They, they couldn't understand that there was, um, there was to be a time when the Messiah would come and not only reign, but he would suffer. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, long ago and in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power, uh, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. It was never... Um, God's intent for the Messiah to come and to rule and reign here. The kingdom would not be, uh, David's kingdom would be, um, would never cease, but it wouldn't cease because it would uh, not cease on this earth in this time, but the kingdom of David will continue through Jesus Christ throughout eternity, but not a kingdom like they were looking for. They were looking for um uh, someone to come in to overthrow the Romans. They were looking for someone to uh, reinstate the temple and they were looking for somebody to reinstate justice. Jesus didn't do those things. Jesus didn't do those things because that's not what the intent of the Messiah was and yet they they couldn't grasp their, their minds around it. Look at Luke chapter 24 and Jesus is talking to... Um, to them on the road to Emmaus, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, verse 13 of chapter 24. That very day, the, the day of Jesus' resurrection, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles to Jerusalem. They were headed away from Jerusalem. Why? Because in their minds, it was over. Jesus was dead. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together Jesus himself drew near and went with them, not an emanation, not an angelic being, not the spirit, Jesus himself drew near, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them or they would have recognized him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood 
still looking sad, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all his people, and how the chief priests and rulers, chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified to him. But we had hoped, underline that, we, we, we had hoped. It says they were sad. Now it says, but we had hoped that he was the one, the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were um, who were with us went to the tomb. That would have been uh, uh, Peter and John. And found just as the women had said um, it would be, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things that concerned him. See, Jesus didn't say... um, the scripture didn't say that I would suffer, but that was just a kind of another way I thought I would do it. No, Jesus took them all the way back to Moses and the prophets. And he told them these are exactly the things that had to happen. Jesus came to the earth, was rejected by his people, John chapter 1 verse 11, and he was crucified. He rose again and returned to heaven. Did this mean that God's uh, promised kingdom for Israel is now abandoned? No, because God had instituted a new program, his mystery that was not explained by the Old Testament prophets to them. Jesus' suffering was, but this new kingdom about the Gentiles, they didn't understand. They, they believed that this kingdom was completely about the Jews. It wasn't about the Gentiles, but it was revealed to to Paul. The mystery uh, is that today God is uniting Jews and Gentiles in the church. When the church is completed, then Jesus Christ will return and take his people to heaven. Then he will again deal with Israel as a nation and establish the promised kingdom. Then, once the church is is, is gone, the, the hardness of the heart of the of the Jews will be lifted and God will again be working just with the Jews. Can you imagine what that day will be like? Imagine what this message meant to the Gentiles. They were no longer excluded from the glory and riches of God's grace. During the Old Testament dispensation, a Gentile had to become a Jewish proselyte in order to share in the blessings of Israel. But in this new dispensation, Jews and Gentiles alike are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. No wonder the false teachers oppose Paul because he dared to say there is no difference. You and I don't get this because you and I maybe have grown up somewhat Christian surroundings. We have a tendency to take all this for granted. But think of the excitement that must have been this uh, on the Gentiles. That what they longed for and what they hoped for was to, to be included once they were outside the covenants of God, but now they were members of his family. Once they were living in spiritual ignorance and death, but now they were alive and sharing in the riches of God's wisdom in Christ. Once they had no hope, but now they had a glorious hope because Christ now lived within. 
that's what this whole Colossians first chapter is about. It's about Paul speaking to a group of people he had never met, a group of people he loved because of their pastor, Epaphras, and to explain to them that don't buy into what these false teachers are telling you. I'm I'm real. I'm in prison, but I'm in prison because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not in prison as a prisoner of Rome because I've done something wrong. I'm a prisoner in Rome because that's exactly what the plan of God was. And I write to you this letter from Rome to to let you know that I'm a prisoner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of my my belief and, and, and my calling to you, I'm in prison. So don't let my sufferings uh, put a damper on your belief. But understand my sufferings are exactly the reason that I came to proclaim this message that there's no longer Jew and Gentile, that you are now a part of the family of God. And it was that intention that Christ had from the beginning to make this body of Gentiles and Jews together. That's why he came, he suffered, and he died. And that's why he called me, and I'm willing to suffer, and I'm willing to die. That's really the message of Colossians chapter 1 that Christ is exactly who he said he would be. He's the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. He's the word of God that has become flesh, John chapter 1, verse 14. He's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, John chapter 1, and verse 29. And he's not dead. He is alive. He's not dead. He's alive and he lives forevermore. And the kingdom that he came to establish will be established. And you, you Gentiles, you'll be a big part of it. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.